Greetings, everyone. Welcome to episode 126 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam Brennan, and I am joined yet again by the illustrious, the mustachioed David Hope. <laughs> What's up, man? Hey, no shave November. That's right. Ah, and that is, yes, the only part of your face you were allowed, allowed to not to, shave. Yes, exactly. So, yes, I have by a the, mustache. By the law. By the law. I'm known by many other names that we won't talk about on the master class. <laughs> <laughs> I can yes. only imagine. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And it probably won't last much longer. So. Yeah. How's the wife feel about it? Uh, she hates it. <laughs> um, but I will be shaving it Saturday night. Because to maybe somewhat of a surprise to the listeners of the master class, I'm actually attending a fundraiser for the Trevor Project on Saturday night. What is that? The Trevor Project um, raises awareness for bullying against people, uh, homosexual lifestyle. You're going to a fundraiser banquet type thing for yeah. it? Yeah. Yep. Here in Kansas City. So pray tell Dave, why would you do such? A thing? <laughs> um, so actually my, my pause there was cause I pulled up the website to make sure I was, so yeah, the Trevor project, um, let me see here about, let me make sure I'm doing the Trevor project. Founded in 1998, the Trevor Project is the leading national organization providing crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning young people under 25. So, why are we doing that? My wife and I, uh, her, my brother-in-law, her brother is gay, and he is actually on the board for the Trevor Project. And so we are going to go and we are going to support my brother-in-law and we are going to support the work of the Trevor Project because I believe that what they do is worthwhile. Nobody should be bullied, let alone killed for their sexual identity, regardless of what you believe in terms of that. And so um, we think it's a worthwhile thing to support. So... That is what we are going to do on Saturday. Very cool. Yeah. Although I think you should keep the mustache for it. Uh, <laughs> I might. I might. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. My wife and I are both going to be dressed up. And there's always that opportunity for a good like photo. Oh, my, as as, as right. my wife always says, you know, the good pictures of her and I don't happen all that often. And so in my well, band, you have been on, on, a, on a bit of a, I want more pictures to remember by. So that is true. That is true. So, so all right. I I'll will respect it. my wife's wish of not having a mustache in a, a picture where that might have potential to be a nice one for the two of us where she, I don't want to hear her. And this is the real motivation, right? This would be a great picture if you didn't have a mustache. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, she'd be right too. Yes, she would be right. 
So in, uh, but in, in all seriousness, we are going to support a worthwhile, uh, organization. Yeah. I think they do a great job of providing resources, um, particularly for teenagers, young adults who are questioning their, um, identity, their sexual orientation and just how they fit in this world. And as somebody who is a follower of Jesus, I think that is something that we can certainly get behind and support. Um, because nobody, like I said, nobody should be bullied. Nobody should be, have their life threatened because of their sexual orientation. So, yeah, it's a really good opportunity to gain a better understanding of, you know, what someone who um, has those feelings might be going through, you know, so it's an opportunity. Now, obviously you, you have a really good opportunity in, you know, knowing your brother-in-law for, you know, the years that you have. And, and while his experience isn't representative of, you know, everyone else that would fall under the LGBTQ giant umbrella, um, anytime we can be exposed to people who are different than us in such a, I guess, public and even private way. Um, I think it's just good because it helps you. Um, the, the biggest issue with difference is lack of knowledge, right? Or lack of understanding. Mm-hmm. So anytime you can learn um, and gain knowledge and gain experience about people that are different than you, like, that's always a good option and to do that um, by supporting your brother-in-law and this Trevor project, like that's just really cool. So I'm glad you guys are going and hope you get like 10 great pictures. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I'm not doing anything fun this weekend. I'm just going to sleep. I'm going to recover from the week. I started substitute teaching and I had first grade, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, middle school PE this week. So I'm, I'm ready to sleep. <laughs> but alas i shall have to edit podcasts because they don't edit themselves dave did you know that i did know that and i'm very grateful for the time that you put into oh well thank you i was that was not me fishing <laughs> that was me just going like uh i could sleep all day saturday but my wife would be mad because we have plenty of things to do around the house and also i have a responsibility to get the podcast to the people and we're not live streaming this one, so the only way that people are going to get it. So, with that being said, let us plow forward to get what the people actually came here to hear, yes. which is the Bible. Um, we are going to do uh, Romans 6, and we're going to try and go from 1 all the way to 14. Um, but as always, that's merely a suggestion. We'll see how far we get. Yes, very true. Very, very true. Would you do the honor, sir? I will. I'm okay. So we are in the ESV version. So if you'd like to follow along, hopefully you have a Bible app. If you don't have an actual hard copy of the ESV, this is where we'll be reading from. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died was died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Wow. Yeah, wow indeed. <laughs> uh, we might have bit off more than we can chew here, but hey, we're going to go for it. So, this is sort of like Paul's next point in his argument after talking about uh, you know, uh, death coming from Adam and life coming from Christ. Yep. It's like his sort of conclusion um, or summary, I guess is a better word, of, of the past arguments he's made. And so, I mean, that's made pretty obvious by when he says, what shall we say? then? We've talked about this, so what does it mean? What is all this talk about Adam and Jesus and, you know, transgression and life and, and the one overcoming the other? What does it mean? Are we to continue in sin? that grace may abound. And we talked about, we referenced, or you referenced this actually, I believe last episode in, in our discussion of that. I'm saying like, okay, well, Adam brought sin, but Jesus brought life and Jesus overcomes the sin. So like, should we just keep on sinning so that grace can abound? Like that Jesus can keep overcoming the sin. And, you know, Paul's reaction is by no means, you know, which I imagine is like a modern, modern version like oh heck no or you know <laughs> something like that um how can we who died to sin still live in it which that is a very interesting question dave because i don't know about you but i still make a sin here and there yeah i sin a lot so I guess that's our first question. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And what is live in it? Oh, boy. Starting off with a doozy. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, this is, this is, this is tough. Um, I mean, because I in in some I I'm having another thought here of I I think this is sometimes where the our our inability to be authentic comes from, 
because Paul talks about how, you know, if, if we're, if we're free from sin, we shouldn't be living, living in sin anymore. And I think the temptation is to be, um, that we don't live in sin anymore. When, when the reality is, is, is we all do. And I, I don't know if I'm making sense here. So I'm going to back up here a little bit. So in verse one, it says, are we to continue in sin that grace may, 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 may abound by no means. How can we who died in sin still live in it? So I think Paul here is, is talking about this kind of intentional lifestyle of I'm going to sin because I'm forgiven. And I think he's calling us to, to say, no, that should not be our desire. Our desire is not to, is to not sin. So God is glorified. And, but when he says, how can we who died still live in it? I mean, this is like, like, this is like the whole book of Romans almost right here is that tension of we've died to sin, but yet it's still very much a part of who we are. And I think there's, there's just this, there is a supernatural event that goes on that it's very difficult for us who live in the physical world to understand. Uh, but I think it's clear to God in terms of who we are and, and how he views us versus how we view ourselves. Um, so I'm rambling here. No, I, I agree that, yeah, there is definitely a difference in how God views us and how we view ourselves. I think those are, you know, two very, very different perspectives. Um, even, you know, before salvation and even after, because, you know, a lot of people, not all, you know, we either think that we're fine, we're basically a good person, and God would look at us and go, mm, nope, nah, not even close, bud. Uh, then there's others that, you know, come to uh, somewhat of a realization of their sin and their need for a savior. And even then, God's like, yeah, you still don't get it. I'm super happy to have you, and I'm super happy that you have come to a point where you realize that you need help, but boy, do you not realize how much you need it. (laughs) And then there's, you know, the post-salvation of some of us having guilt and shame to work through, and God's already like, no, that's already gone. Like, you don't need to cling on to that anymore. And, like, I think that, to me, that's my issue, Mm -hmm. is the guilt and the shame I have for the sin and the things that I think or do or say that I know I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, I guess the, the snowball effect is when I, when I, when I do something that I think is shameful or makes me feel guilty, I then don't feel worthy to go to God with that and say, I screwed up. I'm sorry. And so it compounds because instead of doing what I should do, which is going to God in prayer and apologizing and asking for forgiveness and, and repenting and, you know, confessing my sin, I wind up backtracking and almost pulling an Adam and Eve in the garden and hiding. Mm -hmm. And so the, the guilt and the shame of, you know, that compounds itself and the fact that it further removes me from being with God. And then I'm like two days later, like, okay, enough time has passed. Now I can 
and it's it's just this stupid cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas God would look at me and go, "Yeah, you sinned, but guess what? I already did." Yep. It's already it's already forgiven. I just want you to come, be with me, spend time with me. Mm-hmm. You know, be in my presence. Let me, let me be in yours. Let me, let me fill you with hope and truth and let the Holy spirit guide you. And it's just one of those things where I just really think we struggle mightily to understand on either side of, you know, being saved, what our true standing is before God. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where like you can, you know, you can read it in the Bible and know it intellectually, but it doesn't, it, it can, it can lack an effect in your life if you don't fully um, embrace what God has to say about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to get back to specifically this passage, how can we who died to sin still live in it? I think, I think the, the, the crux of this is what does it mean to live in sin or live in something? And what does it mean to do that thing, but not have it be a lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Again, I may be splitting a crazy hair here. And if I am, you know, Dave, you can let me know or, or listeners <laughs> can too, but like, you know, I don't this I'm not, I'm not even sure I like this but I'm going to go with it just because you know it's one thing to have fast food occasionally another thing to have it for every meal right that doesn't make the fast food any healthier when you have it mhm every once in a while and in fact it tastes really good every once in a while like I just had some Wendy's on Wednesday night and it hit the spot <laughs> it was I had so Freddy, good. I had Freddy's today and I kind of oh, had a similar Freddy's. but having that fast food infrequently or not on a regular basis does not remove the unhealthy nature of it, right? It's still something mm-hmm. that you know is high in fat and high in salt and high in cholesterol and just overall not great, but you can still have fast food and not live a fast food lifestyle that makes sense yep and so i think that would be the the approach i would take with this is if we have been saved by jesus our sins have been forgiven we are no longer clothed in our sin we're no longer drowned in it we are no longer marked by it we have been clothed with the righteousness of christ in the eyes of god however as people that are working out their salvation on that, that, you know, that journey of justification that we've talked about here in Romans, and we're going to continue talking about it as we continue in the book, the journey of justification is the transition from the life of sin to the life of righteousness in Christ. And so while it is an immediate impact in the eyes of God in our standing before him, it is something that we, with the help of the Holy Spirit and Christian brothers and sisters, have to learn to work out, to break the bad habits, to, you know, move on past the sin into spiritual maturity where 
we are becoming more and more like Jesus in who we are supposed to be. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's my thoughts on, on what that means. Um, again, could be splitting a hair there with the living in versus, you know, checking in and out every once in a while, but I just, it's, it's kind of a big question and, and I'm okay with not knowing exactly, but yeah, those are my thoughts on it. Yeah. And, and as you were talking, um, for me, it was just that there, we need to abandon this sort of like, I'm going to sin because God is glorified. I'm going to sin because I can, and he forgives me. You know, it's not this just free pass to behave however we want. And so while we still sin, um, you know, it's like, it even sounds absurd as I'm playing it out of my head. Cause, cause essentially what it breaks down to is, is, yeah, you know, it's okay to sin as long as you feel guilty about it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, no, it's, it's, I sin, but yet I don't, I don't want that to be who I am. I don't, I see how it's dirty. It's filthy. It's, you know, it's soiled rags. Uh, when God, like what you're saying, essentially God wants better for me than that. And I think, and I think that's true of being a Christian of, you know, in the moment, sin seems fun in the moment, sin seems to satisfy, but in the long run, it's, it's, it's empty and it's shallow and God wants so much better for us. And so if he wants better for us and he died on the cross and has redeemed us, then why do we choose to kind of live in this place of, um, well, first Corinthians six is what, what came to me. And, and, and even as I read that a little bit, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's a whole bunch to, to unpack even in first Corinthians six, but I'll read the first couple of verses here, which says, um, oh crud, that's not what I wanted. What first Corinthians six. I lost what verse it was. Um, but basically it talks about um, all things are um, okay. So and this is actually from the NIV. So first Corinthians six twelve. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And then it kind of talks about food for the stomach and God will destroy, destroy them both. And then it even goes into sexual immorality. And so there's this just like, as I've been rambling here and talking about this, I think from human perspective, we have this idea of, I'm not going to do the bad thing anymore. I'm not going to sin anymore. And God is sort of in this place of, I don't want you just to be focused on doing the bad, not doing the bad thing. I want you to embrace the good thing. I want you to accept this gift that I've given to you. And it's so much better than the crap that you choose day in and day out. And even as I'm saying that your, your fast food illustration just is really striking home of, you know, there's really nothing implicitly bad about it, but it isn't the best thing for us. And that is, I think such God's heart is he wants to love us and give us what is best for us. And time and time again, we choose a lesser reality. And he's like, why do you choose that when I have given you such a great thing? And so, 
Yeah. You know, the, 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 the argument of God is being glorified in this is, is one is bogus. And then two, why we would choose a lesser blessing when God has greater things for us is sort of the, um, you know, I think it breaks God's heart as a parent. We can relate to that when our, our children choose things that aren't the best for them. Uh, we want them to have the full blessing and it, it breaks our heart to see them choose anything but what is best for them. And, and, and I, I wholeheartedly believe that that's true of, of who God is. So, uh, Lord, I, I hope, I hope you do the, I, Lord, I hope you intervene and <laughs> redeem, redeem the ramblings there. So, right. So let's move on to verse three. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, that is, I think, a concept that, you know, I'm really familiar with. Growing up in the church, you know, having two, you know, college slash grad school degrees in, in biblical studies, this idea of you know, being buried and raised with Christ is something that we talk a lot about, but like, it's kind of a super weird concept, right? That like we died with Christ and because he rose again, we did too, but without sin, like it's, it's a bit of an unusual um, concept. So I think it's totally worth spending some time here. Um, so all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. That sounds a bit foreboding. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, wait, so I'm going to die? I don't understand what that means. Uh, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, oh, it's getting better, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So, we have this, you know, Jesus gets sent by God, comes down. He goes through the awful, just brutal, terrible, you know, beating and torture and murder. Dead for three days, comes back to life, right? So that is, that is the, the sacrifice needed to, you know, appease God's wrath for the sin in the world. And while that does serve as the atonement, while it does serve as the, the physical sacrifice for the, the inner change, right. That we need to be with God. It's more than just Jesus dying on the cross. If we understand Paul here, it means that symbolically in God's eyes, when Jesus died, so did we, when Jesus came back to life, so did we, in newness of life. And I don't know about you, but that's a lot more drastic than, Oh, Jesus saved me from my sin. And now I can go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Like visually for me, mm-hmm. if I'm being told that God views me with the righteousness of Christ, because I was buried with, I was, you know, I was made dead with Christ. I was buried with Christ and I was raised with Christ. That's a concept up until the being raised from the dead part. 
that I can understand. I've buried grandparents. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like to see someone you love die and get put in the ground. Mm-hmm. That's a concept that intellectually I can understand to a certain point, right? I obviously don't know what it feels like to die. But it, to me, it's a much more powerful statement to say, I was made dead with Christ, I was buried with Christ, and now I'm raised to new life in Christ, then, oh, now you wear Christ's clothes in front of God. Like, <laughs> there's a bit of a more, um, there's more gravity to it, there's more um, depth, pun intended, to it. There's, it just, it's a lot more final, I guess, mm-hmm. to me, when I read it that way. And, you know, maybe everyone else has read it that way the entire time or thought about salvation that way the entire time. But it almost seems like we toss around the word salvation like it's not a big deal or it wasn't hard to accomplish or it didn't, you know, change the trajectory of the universe like it did. Um, You know, oh, when were you saved? Oh, I got saved. You like, we just so flippantly talk about it. And it's like, no, I, kind of the biggest deal that could ever happen to a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I like the, the way that Paul describes it here, giving us the, again, the death, the burial and the resurrection of Christ. And therefore us in the eyes of God, which is kind of heavy. Mm-hmm. Think about. Yeah. I, I absolutely echo that, the, the, the heaviness in the, um, how many people have been baptized? Well, I, I, I always hate the way I, I have a tendency to lump us all together. Like we all think the same way, but, um, <laughs> when you talk about baptism and baptism representing us dying with him, I don't know that I've always embraced it to that level. And I've, I've baptized people, you know, I've done the whole under the water and pulled them up and it's like, I, which I think is okay. I think we, we, we celebrate the positive aspect of that. We celebrate the kind of the new life that is represented by baptism. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. At the same time, I think we should be better at embracing the death that really is kind of present in our sharing in that with him and um, just the, the weightiness of that, the gravity of that. And, um, and then there's even just sort of the you know, my mind kind of goes to, okay, if, if death were just simply death, I'm okay with that to a certain extent. I don't exist anymore. You know, that's, that's the world before I was born. You know, I, I can accept that there's, there's a world without Dave Hogue. I can, I can, I can, I can somewhat relate to that and say, you know, if I were to, to die tomorrow and that was the end of it and I never knew any of the wiser, okay, so be it. But there's, there's more to that. There's, there, there's hell, there's eternal damnation. There's, you know, there's sort of this like, 
death isn't just death and not existing anymore. We are eternal souls and there's a, there's a consequence that goes with that. And regardless of what uh, your theology is on hell, it is eternal separation from God, which that in and of itself, I don't think we completely grasp um, what that really, really, really means, a world without God. And so I won't belabor this point too much, but I certainly think um, that to have died to sin and then our baptism is to be baptized into his death certainly carries a weightiness that many of us don't, I think, understand. Well, uh, just there's a weightiness to us that I hope all of us, as we journey in our Christian life, um, have a better appreciation for what that means. And because um, I don't think we can comprehend that. I don't think we can comprehend that until uh, eternity. Um, uh, but yeah, there's something very significant about uh, our baptism and sharing in his death. Um, being Presbyterian at my very core of, of my church upbringing and who I am, the two sacraments are baptism and uh, communion. Those are the only two that Presbyterians have. And as I think about the two of those two, I think those um, certainly carry a weightiness with, with everybody, regardless of what your, your church background is, if we want to go in terms of denomination. But um, this is one of the reasons why I love this podcast. I love this us talking about this and looking at scripture so much because it, 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 it there's just th- certain things that you can't do in and of yourself in reading scripture. You know, Christianity is supposed to happen in community and we talk and we um, work out our salvation. Um, but it's just, it is truly just hitting me as it often does as we talk, just the, 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 the gravity that's involved with our baptism and being baptized into Christ's death. And, um, it carries quite a bit of significance to it. Um, well, yeah, even more so if we keep reading. Yeah, I know. Or if we've been, <laughs> we haven't even, yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> not, but that this is what I love about reading Paul is he, he sets up his arguments and his reasoning so well that you really like, Oh, well, duh. Of course you like, he's, there's a reason God picked him. Right. And God gave him these gifts. Like he is a very well-spoken and learned man. They say, so verse five continues for, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Christ Jesus. Hey, freaking man. Yep. 
so good. A little emotion. No, and and you're absolutely right. Is it's that uh, such incredible hope um, on an eternal, both an eternal perspective and our linear perspective of the life that we live here on Earth. Um, a hope that we just can't even. Yeah, it's it's awesome. For one who has died has been set free from sin. That sticks out to me. I mean, it all does. But And you're looking at verse 7? Yeah, verse 7. There's a purpose. There's a purpose to the death, right? Not just because God is some angry dude that wants his hmm. out of the flesh. Yep. Yeah. There's a purpose to it. Yeah. He wants what's best for us. He wants. Even if it sucks yes. to accomplish it the end is still the ultimate, the ultimate goal is what's best for us. And it's not like he hurt us in the process. No, no. He sent, he sent one third of the Trinity down to earth Mm -hmm. to be murdered. Yep. So it's not like he doesn't have any skin in the game, right? He's, he's doing everything within his power to save the very people that revolted against him. And so there's a purpose in the death to set everything, everybody free from the sin, as the Bible says, that so easily entangles, mm-hmm. right? The power, the claws, the hooks that the devil can get in you and the habits and the addictions that can get formed around the sin in, in the act of the, of death, there is freedom in The resurrection. Yep. Free from all of the holds of sin and the physical world. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. That's freedom, right? Mm-hmm. We'll never die again. There is no more dominion over his body. Death, he died. He died to sin. Once for all. He did it once and it covers all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin because we have died with Christ. We no longer has dominion over us and we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. I mean, it is about the freedom, right? Mm -hmm. That God can provide for those that are Willing to believe. Yep. So good. So good. And so uh, I've often mentioned Philippians 2 in our podcast, and I'm going to read it again. So Philippians 2, verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, mindset as Christ Jesus, who in being very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And I'm going to kind of refer back to where we were talking about Adam and Jesus. And this was something that since our last podcast in reading Philippians 2 became relevant to me, 
or revealed to me was this idea of um, Adam ate the forbidden fruit to become like God, having knowledge of good and evil. But yeah. Jesus, a third of the Trinity who came and, 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 and existed here on earth, in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing and became a servant and found his... So that whole, what another, we were talking about... opposite yeah, between the two. Yeah, Adam and Jesus. Jesus, who was God, emptied himself to that point. And it's just like, I'm, I'm just so blown away by that. So that was another just, you know... God coming in uh, to my life and revealing himself to me. Um, And just that us talking about Adam and Jesus and the difference between the two. Adam wanted to be like God. And that's why he ate the forbidden fruit. Jesus emptied himself and did not consider equal, you know, so. Verse 12 says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passion. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you were not under the law, but under grace. Yeah. It's just a nice, I think really just here's how you do it. (laughs) Don't let sin reign in your body to make you obey its passions. Don't give in to temptation. Don't allow yourself to take the easy way out. Don't put yourself in situations where a sinful decision is going to be really easy to make. Mm -hmm. Put safeguards in your life to help prevent you from having uh, those tempting situations or the anger or whatever it is, the sins that, you struggle with and you know, I'm preaching to myself here, put, <laughs> put safeguards, boundaries, um, what, whatever you need to do to make it harder or impossible to do those things, right? Bad habits are hard to break and the worst habits of all are sin because yep. they are ingrained in a, at a spiritual level in our being. Right. So, well, and even that, yeah. I, I like to sin. I mean, it's... Well, there, yeah, there is that too. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's... Uh, you know, it, it, it really doesn't matter what the sin is. I do it because I enjoy it. You know, in the moment, I enjoy it. But again, it's I'm choosing something lesser. I'm choosing the fast food over the banquet that God has, has put out before us. Mm-hmm. So do not present yourself as uh, instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God's as those who have been brought from death to life uh, and your members to God's as instruments for, of righteousness or for righteousness. I mean, he may be talking about mandolins and harps <laughs> when he's talking about instruments, but like your skills, your tools, your body, right? Take, take the things that, that God has given you, be it your physical abilities, your mental abilities, 
you know, your emotional abilities, if you're someone who, you know, can empathize or sympathize or counsel or, or whatever, take the instruments that God has given you to work in this world and don't give them over to unrighteousness, but give them to God for righteousness. How can you take the talents and the skills and the knowledge you have and use them for God's kingdom? How can you, like, it's a total reframing of, well, these skills, I use these skills to, to make money or to differentiate myself from people or to, you know, whatever, get ahead in life. How can you use the, the skills and those things that you have to honor God? And it's, it's just, again, it's a shift in how we think. Yes. So. Yes. Very much so. And then that last part again, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. And that my friend is very, very good news. Yeah. I, I, that was the part that really just struck home to me is this idea of we're under grace and not the law. And we so completely forget that and do not operate from that place or we abuse that place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like Romans. Amen. I mean, I like, I like God too, (laughs) but it's just, oh, every, I feel like every, every section that we read is just like so rock solid and so full of just like truth and hope and, you know, an encouragement to just keep fighting the good fight, you know, and to, to rely more on God and to trust God more and to, you know, welcome the Holy spirit into your life more so that you can, you know, he can guide you and, and to have discussions with people about the stuff and to spend more time praying and to spend more time in scripture. Yeah. It amps me up, man. Which is good because I have to deal with middle schoolers again tomorrow. So yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be all right. We survived today. We'll do it again tomorrow. It's Friday, right? Yeah, so they'll totally be well behaved. I'm teaching the recruits tomorrow. Oh well, that's like the adult version of middle schoolers, right? Yes, they listen to me because they have to. Well, because yeah, you I do out, have because the, I outrank them. <laughs> you do have that that convenient built-in authority uh, versus middle schoolers that yes, yeah, they that don't, don't, they care. don't care. And, and I am not even a real teacher; I'm a substitute, so I have no authority in their eyes. So, do you have a lesson plan, or do you just kind of play dodgeball? Uh, yeah. Today we played. This is giant volleyball. It's like probably four feet in. Uh, diameter um and so they just run around like idiots and throw it around and then tomorrow we're playing some goofy form of ultimate frisbee where like you could play with like a dodgeball or a football or you know like a and the loot the team that scores has to gets to choose what ball you play the next you know they're just gonna run around it'll be fine and you know what 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 you're doing tomorrow and what i'm doing tomorrow has significance in the kingdom. 
believe it or not, that is up. That yeah. is truth. It has significance in the kingdom. So not because of who we well, are, you. not because of what you and I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but because God can work in any situation. Because God, through and, anybody. And, and, and it's all, it is all sacred. It all has purpose in the end. So, well, I appreciate that reminder. Yep. All right. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Yeah. We made it to the end of yet another episode. And if you want to uh, get in touch uh, with either of us, you can do that on Twitter. Dave is at David J. Hogue. I'm at Cam Brennan. You can email us hello at supermegacorp.net should you wish to do that. You can also uh, go to our show notes, which are going to be in your podcast player of choice. Or you can go to supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 126 if you want to do that as well. There you'll find, in addition to the links uh, to Twitter and email, you'll find a link to our Patreon page where um, you can support the show with a few dollars if that's something that you want to do. But also, um, we now have a subreddit. It's r slash supermegacorp where we want to give people a place to discuss the stuff on all the supermegacorp shows. So head on over to the subreddit and um, check out the discussion. If there is any start one about this very episode. Yes. And um, I'll be, I'll be in that subreddit a lot. Once we kind of, we just started it. So once we kind of build that into a place where, you know, there's discussion going on, I will um, for sure be in there a lot to hear what you guys have to say. So thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll be back next time, David. Farewell, sir. Take care.